Can we turn back to our reading in First Peter? First Peter chapter two, and we'll read again at verse twenty one. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Today is a day of preparation for us as we come to approach the Lord's table, God willing, tomorrow. And in preparing ourselves, we look at God's word to see what it has to say to us. What does it say to us here today? As we think of coming to the Lord's table, do we come for ourselves? Do we come to please somebody else? Do we come for any other reason but to remember the Lord's death? He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. I'm sure you've all seen the horrendous devastation caused in America these past few weeks by a variety of hurricanes hitting in different parts. And it's incredible to see the kind of power that there is behind a hurricane. We saw it in Texas and Houston where there was such tremendous flooding. It's amazing to see the power that the water has when it comes in such great torrents. We've seen it then in the Caribbean and in Florida when such a serious hurricane came and just caused utter devastation in all these places. Flattened buildings, brought down bridges, left behind a trail of destruction. And it's amazing when you see some of the footage from these storms, just the incredible power behind them. There's a power in these storms that makes us and all who are in them just feel a sense of helplessness. And we speak about when these kinds of things happen, how can we defend ourselves against them? How can we defend ourselves against floodwaters, for example, and the power that there is behind them? And people will talk about putting barriers in place, flood defences. But what about when we think of our sin? Because sin has that same devastating effect on us. It leaves us feeling helpless at times. It leaves us feeling overwhelmed at times. 
And so where can we go? Well, the words that we sang together in Psalm 65 give us a great reminder of where we go. And the words of verse 3 in particular speak into the same kind of devastation that a storm leaves. When we were overwhelmed by sins and guilt upon us, Lee. The word there for overwhelmed is like floodwaters coming upon us. There's a power behind it that we cannot stand against. It overwhelms us. That is what sin is like. Sin overwhelms us. But when we were overwhelmed by sins and guilt upon us lay, what happened? Well, the psalmist goes on to say, you pardoned all our trespasses and washed our guilt away. Where did he do that? Where were our sins pardoned? Where was our guilt washed away? Even the psalmist in the Old Testament is looking ahead to what we have here in First Peter. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. He bore, he carried, he defended us against all our sins on the tree. And then the psalmist goes on to say in verse 4, How blessed are those you choose and bring within your courts of grace. We're filled with blessings in your house, in your most holy place. We have that defense, that shelter from the Lord for all of our sins. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you washed our sins. Away. Last evening I made mention of Jonathan Edwards' sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And in that sermon he, he makes this point about sin. Sin is the ruin and misery of the soul. It is destructive in its nature. And if God should leave it without restraint, they would need nothing else to make the soul perfectly miserable. <clears throat> Sin has that devastating effect on us. Leaves us feeling miserable. Leaves us feeling helpless. But thanks be to God that he has dealt with our sins. Where can we come to find defense for our sins? To find help for our sins, to find forgiveness for our sins, to find our sins washed away, but to come to see the one who bore our sins on the tree. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. With a purpose he did that, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And with an outcome in it, that by his wounds you have been healed. There is healing in the work of Christ on the cross. There is power in the blood of Christ. And as we come to approach the Lord's table, as we come to do this in remembrance of him, it is for our own spiritual nourishment. For those who will come and profess faith, 
publicly profess it. There is a sense of growing in grace. There is a strengthening in it. We feel our own weakness, but we realize the strength that is ours in Christ. And if you come to look on, you should not leave this place feeling nothing, but to see that the grace of the Lord Jesus is for you. That you may come to die to sin and live to righteousness. Is that what we're doing? What a question to ask ourselves. Are we dying to sin and living to righteousness? Not many of us, I'm sure, will be able to say that is my life story. But yet we see the grace of God that that is what he is doing in us. He is helping us to die to sin and to live to righteousness. So as we come to approach the Lord's table, as we prepare ourselves, let us see what Christ has done for us. These three things I want us just to think about for a few moments. First of all, there in verse 24, he himself bore our sins. Peter is writing here to God's people who have been scattered, dispersed to many different places. And as you see, as you read in the opening chapter, you see that they are suffering much because of their faith. And yet the message that he is saying to them here, as we read in chapter 2, is to be submissive to those who are in authority over you. To respect these positions of authority, even in the midst of all your suffering. And some of them, he says, will be harsh. Some of them will do the wrong thing against you. They will be unjust against you. But he brings this reminder to them of the grace of the Lord Jesus. In the opening chapter, he says, that we are born again to a living hope. In verse 6, he says there in chapter 1, In this you rejoice, though now... For a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. There is this reminder to them that even as believers in the Lord, life isn't straightforward. Life isn't always plain sailing. But because of the hope that there is in Christ, you see that now it's just for a little while. A short time. A short time suffering can seem like an eternity to us. When we are suffering for our faith, when we are suffering for Christ, it can seem as if it's never ending. But yet, he says it is for a little while. And it's with a purpose. So the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes so tested by the fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That there is this, what we are looking forward to. Even though for a little while now we might suffer. And what can help us in the midst of that is to remember the one who suffered for us. He gives us, he says, you, are, you have this example uh, in verse 21, for this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. 
He's saying to the people and to ourselves, you're not alone. You're not alone in your suffering. You're not alone in the temptations that you face. You're not alone in falling into sin. You're not alone in falling into hardships from others. Many past, many present, many in the future will suffer in this way. But he's saying you have this hope in Christ. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. It's interesting how Peter there uses the word tree and not the cross. He says on the tree. What is the tree? He's still talking about the cross. But the tree reminds the people that the 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 tree that was the cross, it was a place of the curse of God. It's very much a new te- an Old Testament thing. In Deuteronomy 21, verse 22, it says, And if a man has committed a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death, you hang him on a tree. For cursed is the one who hangs on a tree. He bore our sins in his body on the tree. He was cursed, the curse that our sins deserved. He bore our sins. So that we've, when we feel this sense of being overwhelmed by sin, when we think, feel like things are overpowering us, we can look and see Christ has borne our sins. He is defending us. He is sheltering us from our sins. During the Napoleonic Wars, men in France were brought into the army through a kind of lottery system. Their names were put into a, a tub. And if your name was picked out, you had to go and fight. But not if someone else would go in your place. If someone else would take your place, you were exempt. Now for your name to be picked out and to have to go and fight in these wars was very often, almost 99% of the time, you were going to your death. You were not going to return. And on one occasion the authorities came to a certain man in a town. And they said to him, your name has been chosen and you are to go and fight for Napoleon. The man refused to go. And he said, I was killed two years ago. And the authorities thought at first he was mad. And he was losing his mind. But he seemed to know what he was talking about. He had his family around him. And so they pressed the more. And they said, how can you say you have died when here you are alive? And he said, well, if you check your records, you will see I was called up to fight two years ago and I have been killed in action. And again, they're saying, how can this be? And he explained that when his name came out, a friend of his, a close friend, came to him and said, you have a large family. You are married You have people who depend on you. I have no one. I'll take your name 
and go in your place. And when they checked, the records showed that this was true. It went as far as to go to Napoleon himself who said the country has no claim over this man. He is free because another died in his place. And is that not what Christ has done for us? He has set us free from the power of sin because he himself bore our sins on his body, in his body, on the tree. Isn't that what Christ does for sinners? Does he come to condemn? No. He comes to call sinners to repentance. To see that there is life in him. Think of the people that Jesus met. Those who others said, that is a sinner. But what did Jesus say? That is someone who needs mercy. The woman caught in adultery. What did Jesus say to her? Is there anyone who condemns you? No. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. What did he say to Zacchaeus? One who others saw as this hard sinner who was robbing people. Come down, Zacchaeus, for today's salvation has come to your house. That is how the Lord Jesus deals with sinners. He shows grace. He shows mercy. And when we were overwhelmed by sin, he bore our sin on the tree. He bore our sin. The second thing I want us to see is that that leads on to something else. He bore our sins on the tree for a purpose. And what is that purpose? That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Think of the man whose friend had gone to fight for him, whose life was lost on his behalf, that he might live for his family. Knowing someone else has died in your place should give you a whole new perspective on life. To appreciate everything that you have. How much more would his family, his children, his life have meant to that man? All because someone died in his place. But how much do we appreciate what Christ has done for us? He bore our sins on the tree to give us life, to give us that sense of joy of salvation. As the psalmist goes on in Psalm 65, to know the blessings that there are in the place of God. And what blessings are ours in Christ. Christ died for a purpose. Not that we should forget about it. Not that we should live our lives the way we please. But that we would be free. Not free to do our own thing, but free to live for him. He died on a tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And do you do that? Is that your longing? Is that your desire? To put sin away. 
confess our sin and say, Lord, help me. Turn away from that and turn to you. That's the purpose of Christ coming to preach the gospel. It was a gospel of repentance. It's a gospel that fills our lives with joy of salvation. It's a gospel that helps us turn from sin and live for righteousness. You may notice as you're reading through Second Peter here how many references there are in this passage that go back to Isaiah 53. It's almost like he's just rewriting Isaiah 53. There's so many references. In verse 25 he says, We are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. That's almost directly from Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned each to our own way. The same idea. And you see it right throughout this. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So much of that is taken from Isaiah 53. When you think about that, we were straying like sheep. That is the way we were. But so often there's the danger that that's the way we slip back into. Straying like sheep. But we have this shepherd and overseer of our soul. The good shepherd who guides his sheep. And that is the way that we need to live. Dying to sin and living to righteousness. The power of sin is so overwhelming. It's not a case of coming to the Lord Jesus and saying, Thank you Lord, you saved me from my sin. I can go on my own strength now. If you ever want to do that, you will not last. The power of sin is so great that it's not about saying to ourselves, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to do things differently. I can remember in my own life saying that. Very often it would be a Sunday night. You hear a sermon, you say, well, tomorrow I'm going to be different. But by Tuesday you're back into the same ways. Why? Because it was me. It was about myself. And not asking the Lord to help. We are overwhelmed by sin. And we will continue to be overwhelmed by sin until we come to see that he bore our sins in his body on the tree. There had to be death. And the death of Christ is what helps us to put our old self to death as well. And to see the resurrection of Christ as something that helps us to live to righteousness. When Christ died, we who believe in him died with him. Because we were identified in his death. 
but through faith in him. When he rose from the dead, we too are raised to a newness of life. When we were overwhelmed by sins, he bore our sin away. So what are we doing with it? What are you doing with what Christ has done? You can believe it, but do you apply it? That is what we are being taught here. We can believe he bore our sins in his body on the tree. Are we dying to sin and living to righteousness? Pray to God that he will help you. Die to sin and live to righteousness. And recognizing it's not a perfect righteousness, it's not our righteousness, but his. Otherwise, we'll be left feeling as if we cannot go on either. When you see what he's saying here about Jesus being an example for us, that we might follow in his steps, and it goes on to say, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Is that you? Is that me? No. Because we still sin. We still have deceit in our mouth. But we look to him, the perfect, spotless lamb of God, for his righteousness, not for ours. That he will help us to die to sin and live to righteousness. He is our help. He is our shepherd. And he is there for you to give you strength to go on. The third and final thing I want us to take from this is these words. By his wounds you have been healed. It can seem strange the way this passage sort of jumps back and forth to different things. One minute he's, Peter's speaking about being in submission to masters and suffering uh, for the sake of God because of their unjust ways with them. And yet then he comes to the cross. And you think, well, is he just sort of weaving back and forth from different places? talking about masters and authority and being in submission, to then come to the cross, then going into chapter 3 and living as wives and husbands. What's he doing? Well, the cross is the place that interwines our whole life. The Lord Jesus coming to bear our sins in his body on the tree isn't just something that we apply in one part of our life. But it's something that goes through all of our life. Our whole lives revolve around that. If we are to die to sin and live to righteousness, we are to see it's not just about having faith in our time in the church and then going to live as free people sinning. In verse 16 he says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So our whole lives revolve around being servants of God. Servants to the Lord Jesus who bore our sins in his body on the tree. The cross is central to everything that we are doing. And the cross is the place where we see all our wounds are healed. Every part of our life revolves around the cross. And that is why we can go from here 
with the hope of the cross. That is why we can live in our communities with the hope of the cross. That is why we can go through everything in our life with the hope of the cross. If you are going through tragedy or suffering, you can look to the cross. It is there to help, to comfort, to assure us that this is for a little while. But in the cross we have something to look forward to for eternity. By his wounds you have been healed. It's not saying your suffering is going. Not yet. But ultimately your suffering is healed for eternity. We will suffer in this world. In this world you will have many troubles, Jesus says. But be of good courage. Why? For I have overcome the world. By his wounds you have been healed. If you have doubt, if you lack assurance, there is comfort in the cross. He bore our sins in his body on the tree. When we were overwhelmed by sins, He made atonement for our sins. And remember, Peter is writing to those who were servants, those who were slaves in their day. And they were to be in submission to those who were in authority over them, even those who were unjust. And the unjust master would give the servants a beating. No doubt many of them had wounds on them from beatings that they had received. And these words would have spoken into their hearts. Remember, Christ, who suffered on the tree, he bore your sins. By his wounds, you are healed. And if you are suffering for him, there is healing for you. We don't belong to a persecuted church here. Not in the sense of some throughout this world do. There are Christians throughout this world, our brothers, our sisters in Christ, who suffer for their faith, who are beaten for their faith, who are tortured, who are put to death for their faith. But still they go on looking to Jesus, The one who bore their sins on the tree. The one who they can say by his wounds we are healed. And still we go on doubting. We go on wondering. Do I have strength? How can they go forward like that? Into the face of death but through Christ who bore their sins on the tree. How can you go forward today? How can you be healed by his wounds? By looking to the one who bore our sins on the tree. (coughs) If there is healing, there must be pain. Because healing is a hurt. And healing is about something that has hurt us being healed again. And C.S. Lewis once said, 
in talking about pain, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our consciences. But he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. It is pain that is suffering for being a Christian. And if we knew it more, we would have a greater sense of what Christ has done for us. He was uh, bruised for our iniquities. He was crushed for us. By his wounds, you are healed. Peter knew that meditating on the cross, looking to the cross, would bring comfort to those who were suffering. And does the the cross bring comfort for you? All the pain, all the suffering that he went through, does it come into your pain, your troubles, your suffering? Do you see it was for your healing? Far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That is Paul's word to the Galatians. And it is about suffering and pain. Crucifixion is not easy. What Christ bore on the tree for us was torture. It was painful. It was anguish physically, spiritually. The torments of hell that our sins deserve, he bore on the tree. Why? That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Live for Christ who died for you and know the healing that his wounds have paid for. As we prepare to come to remember the Lord's death, we do it in peace. We do it in comfort. We go back into the world with so much that we take for granted. But as we come, may we see how overwhelming sin is. There is a power behind it that we cannot stop ourselves. But thanks be to God that he gave his son And he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. May we all come to know the healing that that brings. Through his blood said for sinners such as we are. May God bless his word to us. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven you have given so much for us. And may we ask that question, O Lord, what can we give to you? What can we give, O Lord, that is nothing. There is nothing that we could give that would say that we can in any way make up for all that you have done for us and all that you gave, all that the Lord Jesus did at the cross. But what can we do but come and put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
he who bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might not be overwhelmed by sins, that we would see atonement has been made for us. What can we bring to you? Nothing we can bring. But what can we do for you? We can take the cup of salvation. We can show, Lord, that we believe, that we have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he has healed all our wounds, that we might live for him, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Lord, help us each one to see the great price that has been paid, the transaction complete, for he said, it is finished. And Lord, help us to come and do all in remembrance of him. For we ask it in his precious name. Amen. We're going to sing to God's praise and conclusion in Psalm 86, the Scottish Psalter version. Psalm 86. Psalm 86 at verse 10. The Scottish Psalter version. Because thou art exceeding great, and works by thee are done, which are to be admired, and thou art God thyself alone. Teach me thy way, and in thy truth, O Lord, then walk will I. Unite my heart, that I thy name may fear continually. O Lord my God, with all my heart, to thee I will give praise, and I the glory will ascribe unto thy name always. We'll sing from verse 10 to verse 12. To God's praise. Now may grace, mercy and peace from God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest upon and abide with us all now and forevermore. Amen.